The MLS Cup Finals are just around the corner. Portland Timbers hosting NYCFC. We preview that game, uh, tell you the key players, their season so far, and their strengths and weaknesses for both of those teams. Give us a follow on Twitter at Final Third Show. Link will be down uh, below in the show notes. And also, leave a rating and follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Thank you for downloading and uh, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another deep dive episode of The Final Third. As always, my name is Jack. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm a fan of Minnesota United, Chelsea. Luckily, we're not going to talk about them today. Uh, Atalanta, we can't talk about them today even if we wanted to because they didn't play and the French and U.S. national teams. And as always, or almost always, I am joined here with AJ. Hello, I'm the other co-host of the Final Third podcast here, a fan of West Ham United, the U.S. national teams, and Minnesota United. And Jack, we're actually not going to talk about any of those teams. We're going to be talking about two teams in particular that have made the MLS Cup final jack have you been uh watching the mls cup finals or not pl- finals the playoffs i've been watching as many of them as i can but unfortunately a lot of them happen to coincide for when i'm working so Ugh. i will follow along on the score lines while i'm working but can't exactly coach people and watch soccer at the same time so will you be able to catch uh the final that's going to be this saturday at 3 p.m i believe Pacific time. Oh, you know I will. I'm definitely, okay. yeah, definitely going to be watching that. Yeah. And I say Pacific time because this final has two teams, uh, one of them being on the Pacific uh, the coast, one of them uh, being the Portland Timbers. Uh, they're going to be the ones hosting NYCFC. So uh, in preparation of that, Jack and I have uh, done some research on these two teams and tried to dissect the final, how these teams have gotten here, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and some key players uh, that will lead them to success or potentially failure. Uh, Jack had the Portland Timbers. I had NYCFC. Uh, no reason in particular, Jack, unless you are a Portland Timbers fan, which I know is not the case. Definitely not. Uh, I, I, I let you have NYCFC because... I didn't want to defend the team that plays in a baseball stadium. So that's why. Yeah. Uh, luckily, you were not going to be in a baseball stadium or luckily. It, thank God. It, it, in some ways, we are because Providence Park, I believe, was a baseball stadium to start out, uh, start out with in like the 1900s. So that's a little history tidbit for you guys. Uh, Jack, let's jump right into it. Uh, I have to apologize to any listeners. Uh, I'm a bit under the weather, so I apologize for any poor sound quality. Uh, so Jack, I think we'll be doing uh, some, some, some more of the talking uh, than usual. Uh, yeah, Jack, want to take us away with the uh, Portland Timbers. How did they get here? How has their season been thus far? Yeah, well, the Portland Timbers have had a relatively impressive season, I'd say. Uh, and I think most people would agree with that for the most part. They finished fourth in the Western Conference, and that was good enough for fifth overall in MLS with 55 points. However, they only had a goal differential of plus four with 56 goals for and 52 goals against. However, they were powered into the playoffs by some solid, solid home form, top in the West in terms of home form, but third 
overall in, in when you uh, look at all of MLS. So definitely really impressive from the Timbers on that. In their past uh, five games, they've won all five of those, obviously three of those being playoff wins, but they've won six games in a row with 14 goals scored for them and only three against them. They're also tied second in goals, uh, goals per match. And do you know who they're tied second with, AJ, by any chance? Goals per match? Yep. Is it NYCFC? It is NYCFC. Wow. So that's, wow. Pretty, that's a pretty impressive uh, little, little uh, tidbit there that the two teams that were pretty high up there in goals scored per match are facing off in the final. They also have quite a bit of defensive action, although it's not always good. They've actually conceded the second most penalties in the division, oh, wow. eight, and have 1.4 goals against them per match. But they've also, uh, their, their goalkeeper, Steve Clark, has been solid, 3.7 saves per match and 20.5 clearances per match. Uh, so they're fourth and first for those metrics, respectively. So they're getting a lot of defensive action, but not necessarily keeping the goals out all the time necessarily. So let's go through their playoff path real quick. In the first round, they, by my perspective, unfortunately, <laughs> Minnesota United three to one at, in Providence Park. Minnesota scored first on them, but they came back, scored three goals in that match to uh, put an end to the Loons season. And then they went to Colorado against the top seed in the West and beat them with a 90th minute goal, which pretty impressive by them. And they weren't done there. They faced off against the underdogs of this uh, MLS Cup playoff season against Real Salt Lake and beat them two to zero. So they've had a very comprehensive playoff season so far. Six goals scored and only one against them. Not too bad for a, for a team that has not had the most impressive defensive record this season. but. Yeah, they they they've they've had a very good season, and I think it, I think it's safe to say that they do deserve to be here. Uh, but that's just how the Portland Timbers got to where they are. But AJ, how did NYCFC get to the position they're in? Yeah, well, NYCFC. This is their seventh season as a team. They entered the league in 2015. As Jack alluded to earlier, they're still playing in Yankee Stadium, despite rumors and promises and hopes that they'd be in a soccer specific stadium by the year 2021. Uh, their head coach is Ronnie Adila, Adila, Dila, sure. Uh, I, I always forget how to pronounce his name. A good head coach, though. He previously coached with Celtic. Last season, they were eliminated from the playoffs in the first round by Orlando, and they came into this season losing Alexander Ring, gaining Alfredo Morales in his stead, and having to play in Red Bull Arena to start off the season. Looking at their stats, what I think stands out the most to me is uh, their expected numbers. Their expected uh, goals minus expected goals against, which is, I guess, would be your expected goal difference was second best in uh, the league in terms of discrepancy. Pretty good. In fact, they're on top of the league in most metrics. Expected goals for, they are third with 55.65. Expected goals against 34.24, which is best in the league. Then you go to, you know, other stats like goals for uh, 56. Uh, as Jack Lucci is pretty good. A uh, goal differential of 20, which is fourth uh, best in uh, the league. 
However, that wasn't enough to win the supporter shield for them. You'd expect with such great stats, including that XG minus XGA, as well as the golden boot winner in Tati Castellanos, that they would potentially be challenging for the supporter shield, or at least challenging for a top two, maybe even the top spot in the East. However, that's not the case. They finished fourth, you know, respectable uh, in the East. About 22 off from uh, the league leaders, New England Revolution. And what's interesting about the East is that they finished fourth, three points one way, could have seen them be second place, three points the other way, uh, could have seen them in sixth or seventh if, uh, you know, the goal differential wasn't there. So even though they were in fourth place, that isn't really a good description, a good descriptor on how they actually stacked up against the East. For my money, Throughout the entire season, they were still one of the better teams in the East. But when you look at the season as a whole, and especially the the lulls in the summer, uh, very scary numbers start to pop up. It was Castellanos, their leading striker, golden boot winner, carrying them throughout the season. The first 15 games in the season saw players other than Castellanos, so non-Castellanos players, scoring 23 goals in that time. The next 14 games, that number fell down to seven goals throughout that entire 14-game stretch. Castellanos was literally carrying them. And, you know, they lost Keaton Parks, uh, which is uh, one of their star midfielders, Tanner Holm, a defender of the year caliber right back. It was not looking too good for them. Uh, Looking at their playoff spots, you know, after they managed to get into the playoffs and finish fourth, uh, they dispatched a quiet Atlanta team 2-0. to zero. This Atlanta team had only uh, only really beaten one playoff caliber team in one game out of like 18 or so. Uh, they went against the league leaders, points breakers, New England Revolution and the, the conference semifinal. And even though, you know, this was a good showing, they beat the New England Revolution. It's worth keeping in mind that New England Revolution had 23 days of rest or 23 days to get rusty, and it still took NYCFC taking them to penalties, uh, requiring uh, uh, some things to go their way in order to win this match. Uh, it ended up being 2-2 last-minute goal from uh, Tejon Buchanan. And in the conference finals, they weren't very good against the Philadelphia Union, if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, Philadelphia Union kind of grew into the game and it took uh, NYCFC kind of finding their rhythm in order to beat Philadelphia Union. So relatively speaking, I think NYCFCs are still pretty unproven in these playoffs and really throughout the season as a whole, despite the good metrics. Jack, let's talk key players who are Portland's key players in this match. Yeah, well, Portland have a lot of very important players, but I chose to highlight Five players in particular. Uh, there, there's some honorable mentions you could you could call out in here. I'll I'll talk about those after. But first, you can't mention the Portland Timbers without Sebastian Blanco. You know he was influential in their comeback win over Minnesota. If he's fit, he is an essential player who is going to start and is probably going to play pretty well. He had two goals in that one game against Minnesota in the playoffs, and is an absolutely brilliant creative force who can uh you know he he has good dribbling good pace for a 33 year old you know uh and a really good and accurate cross and pass like uh, he he is a very complete playmaker 
everything sure. everything that the Portland Timbers have creatively kind of runs through him, and it shows in their record with and without him. The record is significantly worse without him. I couldn't find the exact stats, but I believe they only won one or two games when he wasn't playing with them uh, and won a lot more when he was playing. Right. So I, I can't remember the exact stats, but I know it was an absurdly low number that they, that they had won without him. So he will be an essential player. You also have uh, another, an, another veteran in there, Diego Chara. The Timbers are going to want to try and control the tempo of this game because, you know, with that creativity up top, they've got to control the tempo to try and get Sebastian Blanco the ball to create chances. And if they're controlling the tempo, Diego Chara is going to be at the center of it. He is a beast of a, of a six in MLS. You know, he has been for years and he is influential for how the Timbers play their game. Uh, I also want to mention, you know, the man up front for Portland, which is Felipe Mora. You know, I, 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 w- I was excited when at first it looked like Minnesota wouldn't have to play against him because he is a very good striker, in my opinion. And he, he has a really good instinctive finishing ability that some of the goals he scores are just absolutely perfectly timed. And yeah, I, I, I really, I really got worried when I saw we had to play against him in the, uh, in the playoffs, even if he didn't score in that game, but he has 12 goals and four assists for the Timbers this season, really influential player. I believe the most goal contributions in general for Portland. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I think he's going to be important if they're going, if they're going to create a lot of chances, they've got to have that kind of player up top that can finish them. Absolutely. And a few other ones, Jimmy Chara, Diego Chara's brother. He's got six goals and five assists, and he's really influential cutting in from the right wing. He, he's been a very good uh, player for them. I, I'm, not, I'm gonna be honest, I thought he was a lot younger than he actually is. He's 30. I, I thought he was like 25 or something, but yeah, that, that, was, that was way off. It doesn't stop him from being absolutely fantastic. And also, he's a really good utility player. Just the positions that he's played this season. Obviously, he's played right wing mostly, but he's played left wing, center forward, center attacking mid, center mid, and CDM. He, he's played everywhere and done great in all of those positions, really. He, if, uh, you know, if, if Portland needed someone to fill in somewhere else, he can play almost every position on the field, it seems like, uh, maybe except goalkeeper. But honestly, hey, I think he'd maybe, do a pretty good maybe. job at that as well. So, uh, and then one last player I wanted to mention, which is Claudio Bravo. And he's been very solid defensively for the Portland Timbers. Might not possess as much of an attacking threat. I mean, he creates chances and crosses, but he only has one assist. Even then, for what it's worth, and, and for my money, he has been the best left back in the league this past season. Yeah. Uh, very solid player. One of Portland's best players this season as well. Uh, but I, 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 really, I really rate him highly. I, th- I think that he's going to be incredibly important for, you know, uh, for getting in behind NYCFC and delivering those crosses, getting that overlap with, uh, along with uh, Daron Aspri- uh, Asprila. I pr- mispronounced that, <laughs> but I, I, you, you get the point. And an honorable mention, I, I, wanted, I wanted to mention Steve Clark because even though I don't think he is 
the best goalkeeper around. He, he makes some really incredible saves at times that have really kept Portland in a lot of games. So, you know, not bad for a 35-year-old keeper. I, I've realized how many players on Portland are getting up there in age, but <laughs> it's quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, who knows? Maybe that's uh, one of Portland's weaknesses, maybe their old age. Maybe we'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit later. But, Jack, before you get going with that, I do want to ask, uh, if you had to pick one game changer in this MLS Cup final coming from Portland, who will be that game changer that A, fans need to look out for to see if uh, he's going to do anything really important, and B, that NYCFC need to keep an eye out for? Who's that game changer? Sebastian Blanco. If he, like I said, if he is fit and he's playing, he is going to fundamentally change how the Timbers set up and how they play. They play a lot more fluid with him. They have a lot more creativity. And if NYCFC don't contain him, he's going to create a ton of chances. And if Portland convert enough of those, or at least more than NYCFC do, they're in trouble. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree. I think Sebastian Blanco, they, they were able to rest him in the conference final because they just dispatched RSL so quickly. So uh, a, a fresh Blanco is quite the scary sight, in my opinion. So really looking forward to watching him play. Uh, in terms of key players for NYCFC, Obviously, you can't talk about NYCFC without the Golden Boot winner. I've already said his name countless times. That's how influential he is. Castellanos, he makes this team. He connects the lines. He's great at movement. He bothers the defense because he makes them work. Having him back will be huge because apparently without him, this NYCFC midfield put in less balls into zone 14 or right on the top of the box. Uh, in their other two playoff uh, games. I mean, compared to the other two playoff games, I should say. Uh, despite playing against a shorthanded Philly side, they weren't that dynamic in the attack, and a lot of that is because of him. There's no better finisher in terms of XG than Castellanos. Jack, I'm going to throw it back to you real quick because you know we talk about Castellanos being a really important striker. When it comes down to the attacking force, we have Castellanos on one side, Felipe More, Blanco on the other, which attack would you take, Portland's or NYCFC's? Ooh, it's really tough. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm tempted to say NYCFC, but I think I'm still going to stick with Portland just because I think they all play together a lot better overall than NYCFC's attack does. I think they all complement each other very well. You know, you add in Diego Valeri and, uh, and Yimmy Chara, and you're, you're setting up a really, really, really solid attack. Whereas NYCFC's attack, I, I can't really, off the top of my head, the, the names of their left and right wingers aren't coming straight to the top of my brain. Whereas, I, you know, that, that is automatically what I think of when I think of Portland. I, I think of Castellanos and I think of Morales for NYCFC, but that width isn't, isn't what I think of. And I think that really benefits Portland. I uh, think so, too. I guess I can mention some of their uh, attackers here. Uh, kind of an unsung hero in MLS would be their left winger, Santiago Rodriguez. Uh, despite just coming in on loan in June, he's been a pretty creative force, being in the top of the league in terms of progressive passes, progressive passes received, blocks, uh, XG per 90, and more. He scored in the conference semifinals, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that again. Opposite of him would be Medina. 
not much to really say. I think he's a good right winger, but the the main strength I think of NYCFC in terms of their attacking force, other than Castellanos, has to be their midfield core, particularly James Sands, Alfredo Morales, and Maxi Morales. I'm gonna kind of put it, lump them together right here. Uh, despite the age of both of the Moraleses, uh, spelt differently, uh, Maxi spells with a Z, uh, S for Alfredo. This midfield core is still going to be very important in terms of creating chances. When you look at Maxi Morales, their attacking midfielder, he's been in the top 2% of the league in terms of expected assists and averaged 7.75 progressive passes per 90. This attack flows through him and it goes towards Castellanos. We need to have him at his best if NYCFC wants to have any chance of winning this game. Uh, looking towards Sands and Morales, these two are going to be very important in that double pivot. Sands will likely play a little bit deeper and is really integral to how they play. He didn't really perform well against Philly, kind of misplacing passes, looked a little bit lethargic. And when you have not exactly a deep line playmaker, but you know, in that general vicinity of player, not playing well, that hurts the entire, entire team. So they need to have him at his best. They need to have Sean Johnson at his best. He is their starting goalkeeper. While he certainly isn't the best goalkeeper out there, just like Steve Clark, I think that he's uh, very, very good. He's kept nine clean sheets and only conceded 1.07 goals per game, which is fifth best in the league. So unlike other, you know, other goalkeepers, he might not be the very best in terms of where he stands in the league, but with such a dynamic Portland attack, they'll need to have him uh, at his best. And I mentioned, you know, all, all of their attacking players. I do have to give an honorable mention to their fullbacks. Jack mentioned their width. Uh, I have a feeling that a lot of their width is going to be coming from those fullbacks, whether it's Amundsen on the left or Gray on the right. Uh, Gray filling in for an injured Tanner home. Uh, expect some overlapping runs from those two. They're going to want to uh, stretch Portland out a little bit. So uh, I, I think those two are going to be very important players. I practically named the entire NYCFC uh, starting 11. But if I had to pick one or two key players, it would have to be Castellanos and Maxi Morales, as I stated uh, before. Yeah, and so those are uh, the key players for NYCFC. Jack, I was thinking for this next part, we're talking about the strengths and weaknesses. How about we do it in a way that kind of uh, flows a little bit better? So how about you can talk about, I don't know, Portland's strengths, and I'll talk about NYCFC's weaknesses. That way it kind of fits together like a little puzzle piece. You know what I mean? All right, all right, all right. I yeah, like sure. It. So let's, let's go into the strengths. I have three strengths and three weaknesses for Portland. Uh, but going over the strengths first, it had to be mentioned Providence Park is a strength in and of itself. The, it's a historic stadium and it's truly powered the Timbers into the playoffs. That home form was incredible in the Western Conference. And honestly, they would not be where they are in the playoffs if they didn't have such an awesome environment that may, that powers them into wins, really. I you know, I, I, I know that, that some people aren't big believers in the whole, uh, you know, the stadium really, the really makes or breaks teams sometimes. But I honestly think the Timbers atmosphere is the best. Uh, I'm going to say it, the best in MLS. I, it's the best in MLS. And because of That's that, fair. it's powering them into that playoffs. And they get to host the MLS Cup 
against an NYCFC that hasn't truly faced a challenge yet at the place where they boasted one of the best home records in the entire league this season. That is a massive strength for Portland going into this. Uh, did you want me to go through all of the strengths or did you think that we should? Yeah, we, we, we could trade off. I, I, I'll, I'll list a, a weakness related to that, I, I guess. Uh, going off of that, obviously, Portland are going to dictate the attack, dictate possession, try to really make NYCFC play their game. And so when we talk about them playing at home, them playing confidence, a major weakness for NYCFC is their ability to break this team down. That's a major question mark going into in a way MLS Cup final. Can they break this team down? Can their midfield stack up against a good Portland midfield? Jack mentioned the Charas, very, very good in that Portland midfield. Uh, if they can't, then their transitions from defense to attack will be squandered. Uh, a lot rests on the performance of players like James Sands and Maxi Morales, who many people will know did not really perform all that well against Philadelphia. So, you know, to, to balance the strength of Portland playing in Providence Park, you know, this NYCFC team will not have so many chances. They'll need to be very, very clinical with the smaller amount of chances that they'll get because they're used to playing in Yankee Stadium. They're built for that. Now they're walking into Providence Park where it's not going to be as easy for them. They need Castellanos to be at his best form to finish uh, some chances even if they're not going to be the cleanest chances, even if they're not going to be the most plentiful chances. So that is a, a major weakness I see coming from this NYCFC team, their ability to break this Portland team down. Jack, hit me with another strength, please. Yeah, one other strength, I think, at least creativity. I mentioned it in their key players and season so far. Sebastian Blanco is an incredible creative force. Even like sometimes just out of nothing, he will create goals for this team. Like we saw against Minnesota, even the smallest lapse in concentration can, can become a goal scoring opportunity because of him. And, you know, given uh, James Sands's performance against Philadelphia, there might be a few mistakes for uh, Sebastian Blanco to pounce on. And, uh, you know, it, it might really punish them. And the only, the, uh, I mean, it's not just Sebastian Blanco, too. I, I, I've talked about him a lot. He's not their only creative force. You know, you also have the likes of Yimmy Chara, who has been pretty creative for them as well. A lot, uh, quite a few key passes and chances created. 77 chances created, by the way, oh. uh, throughout, throughout this. 77 chances created in 30 matches. That is, that, that's, more, that, that's more than 2.5 per match. That is, those are absolutely incredible numbers. And, you know, combining all of these different players that are creating chances for you, in, inevitably, you're going to have a lot of them. I, I mentioned, I, I, I was going to mention that their second and big chances missed, but that's just because they create so many chances. Absolutely, yeah. It doesn't matter how many they miss because they're scoring so many of them. They, they have, a, they have uh, their goals scored minus their uh, expected goals. Uh, is pr pretty low compared to most other teams. It's it's only it's the only difference is by about two goals that they're underperforming expected goals by two. That's not bad at all when you consider how many chances they've missed. Uh, so I think that creativity is 
a huge, huge thing to look out for. And it's, it's because it comes from so many places on the field. You know, I've mentioned two players, their wingbacks are creative. Even, even Diego Chara, a deep line midfielder, has the potential to get forward and create chances for the team. If you don't contain any one of those players, they're going to burn you. And that is a truly frightening thought if you're NYCFC. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I actually wrote pretty much the opposite of that in terms of uh, NYCFC's weaknesses because that's going to be a very tough attack to play against when you are one of uh, Amundsen, Callens, Cheneau, Gray, or Sean Johnson, right? Because I, I looked at some of the stats for Portland because I want to do a little bit of research into Portland to see how they stack up against New York City. They're averaging 2.2 goals per game in the past six games. That's really, really good. And even though, like I mentioned before, NYCFC have a really good defense, a pretty good uh, underlying numbers and straight up numbers, that's still a very, very tough, uh, a very tough attack to go up against. So a major question mark for NYCFC is how do they deal with that, right? I, I wouldn't say that they're going to go full on bunker and counter attack, but we may see you know, the likes of Gray and Amundsen stay back a little bit in order to, you know, counter the likes of Mora and Blanco and Espria, who have all three of them the ability to create chances and also get forward and score. This is going to be a very, very tough match for NYCFC uh, in terms of trying to control and dictate the game. Even if that's not what they necessarily want to do, they need to take every single chance they get and most importantly, in terms of the defense, be able to contain that huge, huge attack. And, you know, I love NYCFC, but outside of the, uh, the injured tenor home, I don't really see any defensive game changer here. Uh, you could point towards me, Sean Johnson, Callens is pretty good. But at the same time, I look at this defense and I say, this is a defense that, Chara, uh, Mora, Espria, Blanco especially can tear apart, especially as Jack alluded to, if Sand is not feeling up to it and can't play as well as he uh, should be able to play. So huge, huge question mark, huge, huge uh, discrepancy in potential form right there. Uh, Jack, your final strength for the Portland Timbers. Yeah, well, you might, you might think this is a little weird because I just talked about creativity. But it's the high-powered attack that's the final strength. Because, you know, creativity means nothing if you don't have the attack that converts those chances. So just going over their best front four, right? You've got Daron Asprilla, Aspria, I keep mispronouncing it, Yimi Chara, Felipe Mora, and Sebastian Blanco. They have 10, 6, 12, and 7 goals, respectively. 35 wow. goals between just the four of those players. That is, that, is, that is more than half of the goals total scored by Portland this season. That, that is, those are scary numbers to go up against. And they have 1.7 goals per match. I know NYCFC have the same uh, rate of that, but you know, considering the defenses both of these teams went up against, I'd say Portland's is a little bit more impressive. Uh, and the other in, interesting thing about Portland's attack, they have only failed to score in four matches this entire season out of that includes the playoffs, of course, because they had to score in the playoffs to 
get through unless you're RSL. Uh, but that's 37 games that they've played. Only four of those they haven't scored. That those that that's just a, a, a crazy number, really. Like the fact that in one out of nine matches only they failed to score. That that's it. If, if I'm NYCFC defenders, I'm hoping that uh, Castellanos is having a game and is going to score more than one goal because odds are you're conceding a goal against Portland. Wow. All right. Well, I have something a, a little bit related to that, uh, which I think would would benefit Portland's attack. And the weakness I have is their fullbacks, NYCFC's fullbacks. Gray and Amundsen are very good on the right and left uh, side, respectively. However, they are going to be called upon to be uh, one of the, the attacking options for this NYCFC team. Uh, because you know, they're going to want to go forward. They're going to want to stretch this Portland defense out that can be static at some time. So having those overlapping, underlapping runs from those fullbacks are going to be important. However, a major weakness is going to be their ability to be decisive, to be game changers in attack. Because let's face it, uh, if Amundsen and Gray are not on top of their game and they go forward and are ineffective, that A, hurts their chance creation because, you know, Blanco can't do, or not Blanco, sorry, Maxi Morales can't do everything. Uh, but it also leaves a very powerful Portland attack acres of space to work with. And when you have uh, the likes of all of the Portland uh, Timbers attackers that Jack had mentioned, being able to work with those acres of space you give up so many chances. You give up so many clear-cut chances that that is almost a recipe for disaster if they can't be as decisive with their final balls, with their crosses. So and if I'm being honest, I don't really have too much faith in them to perform at the highest level because, as I mentioned before, this NYCFC defense doesn't have too many game changers relative to their other players like their attackers. So that's going to be a, a pretty big question mark for me. I'm really interested to see how uh, that plays out in general. Uh, Jack, do you have anything else to say about Portland Timbers and their strengths before we move on to uh, maybe NYCFC strengths? Uh, no, I think, I think the, the three really are just Providence Park, Creativity, and that attack, I will also give a shout out to their coach, uh, Giovanna Sa uh, Savaresi. Solid coach. Uh, you know, there's a reason why Portland has been in so many MLS Cup finals and has been in so many, M or even just the Western Conference finals, really. Uh, it's because they have a good coach, they've got a good team, and a good solid core of players. Yeah, I, I agree. And there's a reason why Portland are in the uh, the MLS Cup final for the third time in seven years, and it's why right. there's been a, uh, a, a a Cascadia team in the the MLS Cup finals for seven times in seven years. That's crazy. Um, Vancouver, obviously, not a part of that. I should just guess. I should just say Seattle and Portland. Oops. The American Cascadia teams. Yes, yes. Vancouver will be there next season. No, just kidding. Just kidding. That's not happening. Uh, NYCFC's strengths, I would say. Number one, it's got to be their core of players. I mentioned them before, but uh, Rodriguez, uh, Maxi Morales, uh, Castellanos, all, all of them 
will be playing at their best because that is the type of player that they that, that they are. And when you look at uh, where they are on on the ball and off the ball, goal difference of 20, that's going to be very, very powerful, even if they're going to be playing away. I would not be surprised at all if this is going to be a multi-goal game from both sides because, A, you know, Portland's attack is really good. But also, NYCFC's attack is really good, too. Castellanos, 21 goals scored in the regular season, uh, league leader, really good player. I can go on about him, but like, seriously, this is a team that has the attacking chops to make Portland pay if they're able to take their chances. And on the other side of the ball, they've only conceded more than once in one game since September, which was the New England semifinal. And that was probably due in part to the fact that it went to extra time and uh, Buchanan scored that uh, almost last minute goal. So this is a team that while there aren't any like serious game changers in the fence, they still as a unit are very, very good. Uh, whether that be the core of players uh, in the attack or the core of players in the defense, really looking forward to see how they stack up against a really powerful Portland side. Uh, I think that they have all, all the ability in terms of player quality to make it their first ever MLS uh, cup win uh, in their franchise history. Jack, do you have a, a weakness for this uh, Portland side that NYCFC can exploit? Yeah, I think the biggest one that goes along with what you're talking about, their defense, uh, Portland's defense isn't great. They may seem solid enough uh, because they're fourth in saves per game, 3.7 saves per game, by the way. But that just shows how many shots they concede on target every single game. And when you've got a striker like Castellanos that you're going up against, who is pretty clinical, I, I, I'd say, you know, uh, that, that could hurt you if you're conceding that many shots. But they conceded the third most goals in the Western Conference. That's not good. And it's a, and, you know, a big reason why they only had a plus four goal differential despite scoring over 50 goals. So, you know, despite having nine clean sheets, they're, they, they're carry, capable of some awful moments in defense, specifically. Right. And I, I know he's been good, but I, I need to call him out on this. Ben Rankin, he, he gets caught out of position a lot. You know, Portland have overlapping fullbacks. He gets caught out quite a bit, and uh, that can really hurt for, uh, Portland if uh, NYCFC grab the ball and counter, you know. Uh, so. I think that their defense could potentially be a, a huge liability to them in, in, uh, this, in, in this kind of game, you know, uh, against such a high-powered attack. Defense, uh, a, a good offense can only get you so far, but you need a good defense to get you the rest of the way. I 100% agree, and that's part of the reason why I said this might be a multi-goal game from oh, both yeah. sides. Should be really interesting. Three to two game, potentially? Three two, that'd be pretty entertaining. Uh, I, I always think three to do two games are, for the most part, pretty interesting to watch. We might see that, that, especially with this next strength I'm coming up with, uh, which is their attacking movement. We're not just attacking, but their movement in general. I think NYCFC will be looking to exploit Portland using that movement. Uh, in terms of formation, NYCFC, I expect them to go out with a four two three one. Johnson in goal, uh, left back. 
Amundsen, center backs, Callens and Cheneau, Gray as the right back, Morales, Morales, and Sands as that midfield three with Morales playing that uh, 10 role. Morales as in Maxi Morales, I should say. Left and right wing, uh, Santi and Medina, and up top, Tati Castellanos. And really, when you look at that, I see a lot of potential for uh, with being created from their fullbacks as well as their wingers. I think that, you know, when we look at the, the power that the likes of Medina and, and uh, Santi Rodriguez have in terms of progressive passes and receiving progressive passes, a lot of that comes from their ability to create wide chances. Amundsen and Gray as well uh, can deliver across, which I think when we look at uh, a Portland Portland's fullbacks, which might be sitting back a little bit, I think those two creating chances by moving are going to be very important. Castellanos as well, great, great uh, movement in the box, able to annoy and at times lose his defender, lose the back line and make his way back. That's going to be really, really important when we look at, uh, you know, a, a Portland side that might be a little bit on the older side. So having a 23-year-old striker just running his head off, being able to play very smart runs into the box and potentially receive a ball to score. Super, super excited to see how that plays out. Really excited to see how Castellanos and the rest of the NYCFC attack use that movement to their advantage. Jack, I mentioned uh, some weaknesses that Portland could potentially have in terms of their age, in terms of their uh, defense. Do you have any other weaknesses for us here? Yeah, um... You talked about the attacking movement, how fluid it can be. Um, one thing that I think is a weakness for Portland in relation to that, they've got an aging core, and it's a good core, but it is still getting up there in age. Valeri, Blanco, Clark, Mabiala, Char- and both of the Charas, both all, all very good players. But Valeri is 35. Blanco is 33. Clark is 35. Mabiala is 34. Uh, Jimmy Chara is 30. Diego Chara is 35. That, you, you know, it. I, it's like a senior I, home in there. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I, I think that, you know, older players can do great in, in soccer. You know, one of my favorite players is Olivier Giroud for for goodness sakes. Like, I mean, right. it, 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 I, I'm, I'm not saying that that automatically makes them bad. What I am saying is that they, they need to manage minutes a lot more than they used to, you know, uh, a few, a few years ago with each year that goes by, they, they, their stamina goes lower and lower. And while they can't, most of them can still put out a full 90, you know, it, it, it is a bit of a concern when over, I, I, I'm not sure what the average age is. I didn't calculate it exactly, but I think it's very possible that it's 29 to 30, honestly, because I think their youngest player is 24. Uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly think that that is, the, or sorry, 21, Santiago Moreno in their most recent starting 11 was their youngest player. That, that is a little bit worrying, I think, uh, for Portland. Especially if NYCFC, you're you're thinking that they might stay back a little bit and try and uh, try and uh, create a few sparse chances in between, maybe. But if NYCFC go full fledged attack, they, Portland could be in a little bit of trouble. I also agree with that, 
and that's why I said that that was one of my strengths. One one quick thing I, I forgot to mention. Uh, if if this aging core, like if if uh, if any of them can't continue through a game, the other thing is just their backups just aren't as good. Really, their backup players are not as good. But I mean, you know, the standard is inevitably going to drop when you compare any attacking midfielder to Blanco or any number six to Diego Chara. So that that's a that's a bit of a smaller point, but I think it's still worth mentioning. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, the last strength that I'm going to mention here is uh, just their mentality. I think NYCFC, NYCFC's mentality, sorry, uh, is right now at an all-time high, and I think it's had to be an all-time high throughout this entire, entire season. They lost Keaton Parks and Tanner Home, which are two key players, and without them, it's a very different-look team. However, they kept on going, even through their lull against the likes of uh, of you know, throughout the entire summer, losing their attacking output and having to really rely on Castellanos, they were still able to push through, make their way into the playoffs, despite not looking like a very comprehensive team. I think that's very uh, indicative of uh, what Dyla is building here, what, what Ronnie is trying to uh, build with this team in terms of the, the teamwork and teams in terms of the mentality, being able to push through challenges, losing Castellanos in the conference semifinal, still being able to push through that, having to rely on Sean Johnson and, you know, uh, playing at their absolute best against uh, Supporter Shield winners, uh, New England Revolution in the conference semis. Like a lot of that comes down to uh, their ability to be cohesive as a team. And especially when you have Castellanos back for this final to, to looking at how they move as a team, looking at how they, uh, you know, respond to adversity. I think this is going to be one of their strengths going into uh, the final because throughout this entire playoffs, throughout uh, the second half of the regular season, they've had to be mentally at their best, which is something that I uh, think is going to benefit NYCFC a lot, especially when they're going into an away atmosphere that is as hostile as Providence Park. Uh, I think that's my last strength, Jack. Do you have any more weaknesses for the Portland Timbers? Yeah, I have one that kind of matches up with that. And it might sound perplexing at first, but I, I, I want you to hear me out on this one. So okay, it's that it's rest. And Interesting. Okay. It, it might seem weird because NYCFC played a day later than Portland. But and, and have to travel to Portland as well. Exactly. But what I'm thinking is, you know, NYCFC, you're, you're saying they didn't play that well against Philadelphia. I think that's more because they didn't have to necessarily. Like, respect to the Philadelphia Union team that did go out there and play. <laughs> I, I, I think they, they put up a good, a good performance given everything they were going through. But at the same time, it was a massively weakened Philadelphia Union that they, that, you know, they had to play. And it, I think it speaks volumes that the only goal that Philadelphia scored in that game was an own goal. You know? <laughs> right. And the reason why, you know, Sands maybe wasn't as focused in was because he didn't have to be. The reason why, the reason why everyone wasn't playing at their best was because they didn't need to be playing necessarily at 100%. Portland, I think, actually did have to play most of that. It was a pretty even game throughout, mo- throughout most of that with Rail Salt Lake. Yes, Portland won 2-0. to zero. But it, 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 was, it was still pretty close. And before that, uh, before that 
red card to Herrera, it felt like RSL was still in the game. So right. I, I think, I, I think that it, I think NYCFC had slightly more rest and also they got to rest, you know, their star striker as well. Yes. The Timbers got to rest Blanco, but Part of that, I believe, was also due to a minor injury concern, if I'm remembering correctly, in the game prior at Colorado. He he got subbed off in like the 51st minute or something like that. Which, nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 given that it was 0-0 at the time, uh, without having watched uh, that, that game in its entirety, I'm pretty sure it was an injury concern for that. But I, I think that that could be a major factor, that NYCFC simply didn't have to put 100% in uh, to beat Philadelphia. And like I said, I feel bad saying this because I, do, I, I wanted Philadelphia Union to win the MLS Cup out of all of the four teams that were in the conference finals. But it, it, it's, it's inevitable when you, when you have that kind of event happen for your club that it's going to be tough to put out as competitive as a lineup as you would have liked. Uh, so respect to Philadelphia Union, but at the same time, it definitely wasn't as big a challenge as it could have. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I've never really thought about that, uh, that perspective looking at, you know, how, how uh, turned on do they have to be during that game in order to beat Philadelphia. And like you said, even looking at how NYCFC weren't the best team in that game. Uh, it's pretty clear that they didn't really have to be at 100% or even 80% to beat the Philadelphia Union. So thank you for that, Jack. Uh, going towards final conclusions, Jack, what, what is your overall uh, take for this game? Who do you think is going to win this? You, you took Portland Timbers partly because you uh, thought that they, I think, would be the winners. I think you predicted that in our Monday episode. Are you still sticking with that and why? I, I am going to stick with the Portland Timbers. I think, uh, you know, playing in Providence Park just gives them such a big advantage. NYCFC have to literally travel across the entire country to play them. Like, it, it is literally coast from coast to coast. The only way you get further away from Portland is if you, you were in Maine. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it, it's quite a far journey for them to have to make. and. You know, the weaknesses that I came up for or for with Portland, you know, rest and an aging core, they're not as big of weaknesses as I think NYCFC's potential ones are. Sure. Plus, you know, the, their attack is just absolutely brutal to teams, that, uh, to teams that make any sort of mistakes. And I also think one weakness of NYCFC that you didn't actually mention, uh, discipline. Because they have, they have oh, yeah, right. discipline issues. Uh, as in, they've picked up the most red cards. I believe it's 11 this season that they've picked up. Which, you know, if, if, if they make some really, uh, really uh, bad decisions in, in challenges, they, odds are they could get another red card. They get one every three games or so. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> who, who knows with that. But I am going to change the scoreline. Not for the actual prediction game that we did, but what I think will actually happen is like a 3-2 win. I honestly think it'll be a 3-2 win for Portland. Okay. I've said 2 to 1 before, but given Portland's meh defense and NYCFC's attack and Portland's attack, I I think that 3 to 2 would be 
not only just the most fun outcome for every MLS yeah. fan, but just is pretty likely to happen. Well, Jack, I'll have you know that I'm also sticking with my prediction of okay. NYCFC. Not necessarily because I think that they're the better of the two teams. I mean, there's a reason why when we put it up to vote, a lot of our listeners overwhelmingly voted for Portland Timbers. I think it was like 80 to 20% uh, at the final results for that poll. Uh, but honestly, when I look at this, I see a team that had to fight thick and thin to get here, had to overcome some adversity to find a spot in the MLS Cup Finals. And, you know, knowing how weird and wacky MLS is, MLS playoffs are, I think it makes the most sense because it makes no sense that NYCFC would win their first ever MLS Cup Final. And I also think it would be funny because the Red Bulls have been here since 96 have not won a major trophy, whether it be the Open Cup or uh, the MLS Cup. Uh, they so, won Supporters' Shields. That's, sure, sure. That's that's cool for them. But I, I, I think, I don't even think, like, I don't even know how many Supporters' Shields they have, maybe like two or three or four or something like that. I think that will still pale in comparison than if NYCFC got uh, an MLS Cup. I think that means a lot of bragging rights for NYCFC. So I kind of just want that to happen so I can laugh at uh, the Red Bulls fans' faces, all five of them. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. Well, I, I'm also sticking with my scoreline. I said it might be a multi-goal game. I'm sticking with three to one for NYCFC just because I believe it's going to be a three-two game or something like that. Maybe even two to one. It could be, you know, anything. But a three to one scoreline is the perfect amount of like, chaos and like this team definitely won you know what i mean it, it's like uh, uh if it's a two to one win if it's three two game then there's some there's some like discrepancy people be, will be like well portland was the better team three to one means nycfc was the better team while still having the game be pretty exciting so i want that chaos in my mls cup final so i'm sticking with three to one jack any other final words before we head on out of here and Watch this game on, uh, I believe it's ABC uh, this, this Saturday. Well, I was just going to say, we're going to be watching the game. And everyone who's listening to this should be watching the game as well. It's going to be a good game. You know, it's a major final for soccer in the U.S. A lot of, a lot of what happens for U.S. soccer in the future is going to revolve around, you know, making sure people are watching it and engaging with that sort of content. So make sure to boost those numbers up a little bit so we can keep getting high quality soccer and maybe increase its, uh, its presence in U S sports. So I, that, that's, that's what I'd say. Just a, a pitch to make sure to keep following the unite to watch movement that uh, we've been supporting for, I mean, since the start of this season, at least, and, uh, you know, watch some fun soccer. Yeah. I mean, great points, Jack. Of course, of course, watch this game. Uh, we have the TV, new TV deal coming up, and a lot of that rides on people watching these games. We've had some great TV uh, viewership numbers for soccer in America. Really kind of uh, surprising given how uh, Fox hasn't really been investing in commercials. And ESPN, uh, Jack, I don't know if you saw that, have purposely been throttling their camera quality in order to make broadcasts as cheap as possible, not just in soccer, but literally every other 
uh, sport that they broadcast. Really gross. Uh, big middle fingers to Disney for that. <laughs> but Jack, before we head out, where can people find us on social media? Well, they can find us on social media at Final Third Show. Uh, we're going to be tweeting out some thoughts during the final. I'm I'm sure I'm sure of that. Uh, I, I I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to share those thoughts with people and uh, make sure to go on there. So if uh, you know AJ starts celebrating when NYCFC uh, wins their first major trophy somehow, and uh, you know. Make sure to rub it in his face if uh, if if uh, they don't win that. And yeah. his prediction was awful, you know. Or rub it in my face if my prediction was awful. Especially yeah, for sure. Especially if it was a one-zero win for NYCFC, or if it's a zero-zero draw and it goes to penalties, then you can then you can then you can uh, you know gloat at both of us. So uh, either way, follow us on Twitter, and we'll see you there. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to follow us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a rating if you like. Uh, tell a friend that you enjoy the show. Tell your dad that you enjoy the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about the Portland Timbers and New York City FC. We'll see you guys next Monday for a great news and predictions episode. We'll see you guys next Thursday for potentially an expansion draft themed deep dive. Same time, same place. See ya. Bye for now.